Welcome to Changing the Game, the podcast which will bring to you stories of people who are disrupting the status quo via innovation and diversity. And each episode will delve into the unique stories of leaders in several industries, from investors to founders and everyone in between. You will gain invaluable insights and strategies from awesome individuals who are pushing the boundaries, raising funds and making a difference. Join us as we explore the ever-changing world of entrepreneurship and everything that comes with it. Changing the game is powered by Vichy Ventures, the venture partners that dare the founders to aim for the extraordinary and is nurturing the innovation ecosystems with 1 million seeds. So, subscribe now and don't miss the next episode of Changing the Game. Hello everyone, so we're here today with one more episode of Changing the Game. So today I have a very special uh, guest here, Chandra Sundaresvaran. Well done, Vincent. So here we go, so a very unique surname, so um, you know, it looks like I'm successful in, in, in saying it. So as we always do, uh, Chandra, we start every show asking the guests to talk a little bit about him or herself. So just your story. So you go as long in the past as you want, but tell us, who are you? Um, hi, Wilson. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be part of the, part of the show. Um, where do I go? Um, perhaps I'll start with, um, with um, my education a little bit. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an electrical engineer. I did a master's in electrical and computer engineering. And um, I thought I wanted to be an electrical engineer. I thought I wanted to take that. It was Y2K. Everything was about computers. Everything is about changing. And I said, oh, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. But the theory of it was um, I liked science. And I kind of liked maths, but not too much. And the theory of it was interesting. But then the application of it wasn't for me. Um, I did enjoy, um, I, I did enjoy, um, working with people on, on projects. So the teamwork aspect of it, I really liked. Um, when I was doing my master's, I was lucky enough to be at a university that had a really good international business school. So I took a fair few units from the international business school as part of my master's in electrical and computer engineering, University of South Carolina, thank you. Um, but it was, it was great. So it gave me some elements of business that I, that I was like, okay, this is for me. And um, a friend of mine was um, setting up a, um, an interesting fashion project in, in India, working with women in slums in Mumbai, um, trying to find work that could go to the people rather than people going to work and how we could um, empower these women. And I said, that sounds interesting. Shall we set up a business and do that? And that was kind of my start, um, a social enterprise having no experience in business, um, never having run a business and doing two or three units of um, business, I said, okay, here we go. Um, and that's kind of how I got into entrepreneurship, kind of by action rather than by reading about it. And then one thing led to another. Um, I exited that business about six, seven years later, then went on to work in, um, in sustainability, ran a social enterprise in that space, that sector um, in Melbourne, um, and then, moved to Perth about seven years ago and 
came across this amazing organization called Space Cubed. And um, it was a coffee conversation with Brody, the founder. And um, before I knew it, I was the furniture and <laughs> helping out. Um, and, and what really interested me was Space Cube's interest in social enterprises and, um, and entrepreneurship, both of which um, were passions for me. I really cared about how entrepreneurs can change the world and can really have a positive impact. And that was Space Cube's mission as well. So that worked really well. For, and that's what took me till about three months ago. And then this little thing about education that I always worked on, I was always interested in kind of came back at me, nudging me, and, and this role came up at Curtin University. And so I said, okay, let's try and work on what the future of education might look like. So here we go. That's awesome. So I, I think uh, I think we couldn't choose a better guess so, because, you know, changing the game, we talk about diversity, education, innovation, and, and we've got such a perfect mix of that in, uh, in your profile. I'm curious about a few things in, in, in just said. So one is, uh, you know, welcome to the club of uh, force engineers, I guess. So, you know, engineers <laughs> by, by, by education that ended up doing something else that can empathize with that. So also, uh, many times we talk with, uh, with students and young people that are trying to figure out what they want to do or rather in my case, even asking my son, I mean, what, what, what are you going to do? And, Obviously, in early stages or early ages, we don't know. So it seems like that you went through a little bit of that process. The interesting is that you found, you said something about, can we open a company that do that? So is that concept of open a company is something that was part of that? You know, you, you talk about University of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. It was part of the ecosystem. Entrepreneurship was something at a university? No. No. So I, I, I did a couple cool, of cool. units in business, <laughs> but no, it wasn't. Um, I, I think it has developed since, uh, but no, it wasn't part of my formal education, if you may. Yeah. It was more, it, there, was, there was something in the back of my mind that kept saying, you, know, yeah. you should be doing something else. And this is what might, might, might be of interest. And no, starting a company was nothing, I, I, which is why I, I made every single mistake in the book. The, the, the six to six and a half years that I ran my first business, Gosh, if, if, if I had a mentor, if I had someone to tell me this is what you should be doing, or if I maybe if I'd done an MBA, I don't know, um, I might have done things differently, but then I wouldn't have learned, right? Absolutely. Um, but so I don't know, I had no formal education. To, um, uh, you definitely talk about that sort of social enterprise and your passion and your motivation for that sort of area. So you mentioned about the school at the US. So is that. Were you where you were where you raised? Where you live in the US for study, or you were there before? Yeah. Um, I, I went to study. I, I grew up in India, in Mumbai. Okay. Um, I did my did my bachelor's uh, in engineering there, and I got a scholarship to go to um, the University of yeah. South Carolina, and that's where I ended up doing my masters. Um, yeah. yeah, I was the the, the the view, and 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 this is this was the the general theme in the in in the nineties. You'd, you'd do your bachelor's, you'd go to the US, do your master's, and then you'd find a job in, Google wasn't so big then, so Yahoo was really big then, um, or, uh, or Microsoft, that was still around, and was still big, um, and then you'd, you'd find your way into, you into US, Silicon Valley. find a job in tech. Yep. Very nice. Yep. So, how you found Perth? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Perth is kind of a roundabout way. Um, um, I came to Perth for love, not for... Um, so my, my, I met my wife um, about 15 years ago, um, and she's originally from Perth yeah. and um, was in Melbourne, um, working in Melbourne. So that's what took me to Melbourne. And then um, we had kids, a young family, and Perth's a great place for, for a young family. Uh, it's the lifestyle that brought me to Perth. But when I started looking in and digging into what is around in Perth, and I, I, I could see this, this um, really interesting tech ecosystem that was just kind of um, waiting to burst and waiting to emerge. And it was really cool to, to, to see that kind of blossom and take shape. And it's still blossoming and taking shape. Uh, but it was great to be part of um, that over the past six or six and a bit years. Very nice. So, well, that's uh, seven, eight years so uh, that you have been in Perth. Obviously, uh, we all know your name from you know being connected to SpaceCube, to being the person running SpaceCube in the in the last few years. So, and you talk about that ecosystem that was blossoming and, and it still is. So, can you? Tell us your version of it. What is, how you see this ecosystem that, you know, is born, is growing, is blossoming, how you say? Um, um, where we are now in 2023 is quite different to the first version of it I saw in 2016. Um, we were, SpaceCube was running the first version of Plus 8. Um, so there was a proper accelerator program for the first time um, in Perth. The, and that time, accelerator programs were quite a big thing Australia-wide. There were, I think, about 25 different accelerator programs. Telstra alone ran about five of them. Um, and Plus 8 was, was an affiliate to the Telstra program, Murudi. And, and so to have an accelerator program in Perth was great. And we were starting to identify some, um, some interesting startups that were traditionally just working out of their garages or, or in their, their bedrooms or whatever, um, that was starting to emerge. And the ecosystem itself was starting to st take shape. Um, SpaceCube had been running Startup Weekends for about three or four years at that point. Um, they'd done a few programs around um, pre-accelerators. There was um, Vocus One, HBF, Upstart. So all of these kind of areas were just beginning to take shape. Curtin was running Ignition. So there were a number of little programs just kind of surfacing. West Tech Fest was around um, and again, was starting to take shape. Um, but then now you look at it, there's, there's about 10 different players, um, 10 different um, entities that are, that are re or mini ecosystems, if you may. There's the cybersecurity ecosystem, there's a data science ecosystem, yeah. there's health sciences and, um, and um, biosciences um, that's that's starting to take shape and and then obviously there's the um, sector deep tech sector agnostic um, accelerator programs that, that SpaceCube runs but also others that are around so um, that's shifted the venture capital um, ecosystem has also shifted uh, back in the day there was there were a, there were a couple of VCs that kind of came and went um, but there wasn't anything fixed. And I think RAC's Better Lab, um, Better Lab's um, initiative, the 23 million that they invested, I think was the first big, um, big one that was again, quite wide in terms of what their investment was. And, and then now we have a few more funds that are starting to 
that pop up, which is which is really great. It's starting we're starting to see, and like you said earlier, diversity that is so important. You can't have just one or two big players that are doing everything, and everyone plays their part. Everyone plays to their strengths, and that's what makes a really thriving ecosystem. Very nice. So it's, it's, it's funny for me because you're telling that story, and I'm, I'm you know a movie is going on in my mind. <laughs> So remember uh, when we started Visage, it was almost 12 years ago. As a, my first place to go was, you know, let me take a look in the universities where the incubators are, where the accelerators are, you know, I gotta, gotta get some, some support to, to get started. And to say that there was nothing, uh, there was something going on in the Bentley Park, in the tech park there, so not even in that university. So, and these days, in the last couple of years, so, you know, as a Zaju, completely 10th anniversary, Space Cube 10th anniversary, and West Tech Fest 10th anniversary. So it looks like we're born all together in the same sort of, uh, uh, yeah, so we had all the, you know, while we were busy building the business, so there's all these things pop up, and, and, and now, now we have this sort of thriving uh, ecosystem. Let me ask you a question that might be a little bit, uh, you know, uh, cheeky. So, mm -hmm. one thing that I see in Perth is that we do have all these uh, entities that, are, that have been helping to build the ecosystem. Uh, and somehow, when we have conversations around, we still talk about the difficulty to operate more in collaboration, right? So maybe have different players building their you know, ecosystems, but not necessarily all integrated. So you might have a, what's your perception of that? Um, and I, 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 I totally get that. I faced exactly that challenge um, while I was at SpaceCube, and I, I dare, dare I say, it, still face it. One reason in my mind, I think, is the, the pie is not big enough. So, so when the pie is big enough, everyone can have a piece of it and there's more to share. Yeah. Where, and, and because it's still just a blossoming ecosystem, the pie is not big enough. So everyone's trying to make sure that they've got a piece of the pie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that's probably the most striking contrast between us and even, even some of the East Coast um, ecosystems in Sydney and Melbourne, yeah. where there are, there are much bigger pies there are VCs that have close to billion dollar funds. Yeah. Um, so that even the startups aren't as aren't jostling at one. There's, there's always competition. There's gotta be the best ones yeah, have yeah. got to win, right? The competition yeah, yeah. is important, but the pies are bigger. Yeah. So so everyone's kind of got enough room um, to move around a little bit. And then the overlaps can happen without people worrying about stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. Here everyone wants to collaborate. You can see that there's this genuine desire, desire and an intent to collaborate, but then they're also a little bit worried about stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. And I feel like that does, that, that it's, it's, it's a bit of walking on eggshells and a little bit of let's play together. Um, I but, love the answer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love the answer because sometimes it's a question that, uh, that it's an elephant in the room, so maybe people, I like the way you put, perception is that everyone wants to collaborate and mm -hmm. something hold people back. So, and you put it perfectly. So, you know, we need to grow that pie, grow that pie so everyone can, uh, and I can reduce those tensions about, you know, they're being afraid or uncomfortable. That's good, right, thank you for sharing that. So, uh, you've, been, you've been 
since you know the four months as I understood that now you are with Curtin University mm -hmm. so you've been talking about the education of the future so uh, can you walk us a little bit through that thing so what 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 education of the future looks like mm. oh I, I can guess <laughs> I have no idea because I'd have to be a fortune teller to tell you what it looks like um, but there's a, there's a few themes that are emerging and I got interested in education primarily with 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 my role at Space Cube, um, I was also looking after the work that we did as part of Space Cube Foundation, which is focused on, on entrepreneurship and youth entrepreneurship. And that got me involved in a couple of organizations, a couple of schools that were doing things differently. Idea Academy, and you've, um, you've spoken to um, yeah. Beck and Nick, and, um, and, and All Saints, and a few schools were thinking differently about what high school education might look like to bring the best out of every student because fundamentally everyone agreed and accepts that the form of education that we had or we have in, in high schools is stuck in the, in the 50s. It's stuck from what we needed to do to create factory workers. So we had to create something that was, that was structured in a way that would create great factory workers. And it worked. Um, and we've created a great workforce of um, four and four and a half billion people around the globe using that structure. But now it's changing, and, and, and obviously we're not, we're not making things in factories like we used to. We still do, but there's a lot of robots there. Um, so th there needs to be a, a, a shift. And, and, and also, I think in, there's a parallel um, phenomenon that's emerging that's uh, millennials and gen alphas, the digital natives that just kind of think a little bit differently to the gen Xs and the gen Ys. And the boomers, there just seems to be like almost a, a, a bit of a, a jump in evolution, um, which these with these digital yeah, natives. Yeah, that's good. And and they need they need to and they want um, education. They want learning on demand. They want it now, and they don't want to spend three to five years at a university, I believe, to to acquire skills and then um, apply them. They want to acquire the skills, apply them, and then learn new skills and apply them. So it's going to be a constant journey, a lifelong learning journey for, for a lot of them, which is great because learning is brilliant and, and all of us do it in different ways even now. Yeah, yeah. But I think the, the next generation or the generations coming up are, are already starting to do it and starting to look at it differently. So the year 11, year 12 um, cohorts are doing things interestingly in these schools and these organizations and then they come up against university and then it's back to the old school way of doing it. Mm. So I, I, I used to be quite critical of the university sector not keeping up with the trends. And I said, and when this opportunity came up, I said, okay, it's time to not just criticize and be an armchair critic and, and, and get in and, and try and do something about it. So what, what we're doing at, at Curtin is rethinking what lifelong learning might look like. Um, there's a number of products, um, types of learning micro-credential learning, short-form learning in various shapes and forms, um, vertically integrated projects where a degree might involve some part learning, some part experience, and back to some learning and back to experience. So organizations, employers are getting to, get stu getting to meet the students earlier in the piece, and students are getting to um, work in, in, in the real world a little bit earlier. And, and, and one of the things for that is, if you come 
come at it when you're in, in the first year of university, second year of university, you're still a bit green and you're still thinking more out of left field. As you come out of a degree, you're starting to get closer and closer into a box and you're starting to think outside, not thinking so much outside the box. And um, I think well, we, we, want, we want that out, out of left field thinking. So getting them into industry earlier, I think is gonna be really helpful for, for the workforce as well. That's very interesting. So uh, I remember that uh, some time ago, I was having a conversation with a friend and, and, and she mentioned about a school in Indonesia, a green school. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned that with such a passion that, you know, I'm kind of curious and what is this, what is this not, etc. I ended up going to uh, Ubud in Indonesia to take a look in green school and figure out what that was. Mm -hmm. uh, the funny enough that I took my boys there, so and we could see the fear in their eyes when they thought, you know, oh, that's bringing us here to study this place. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so uh, it's an absolutely fantastic, uh, you know, school with a different concept, you know, as regional and and you know, as a still school of elite, but it's a completely different, set, uh, you know, as a, a model. They so came back, it was when I came back from that trip that it made me get closer to Space Cube as an ecosystem and talking with, uh, you know, people like Beck and Nick. So, you know, they were still figuring out, or, you know, they didn't even know what idea Academy would become. And we start talking about that. So this journey is fascinating. So today I was talking with a friend and we talk about some numbers uh, in the year 12, in, in the K-12 now, so year 12 students getting out of uh, year 12 to go to university. Mm -hmm. And the percentage of students going straight to university is, it, it doesn't stop falling. So it's falling in down and down and down. So students looking for alternatives in terms of uh, going straight for a job or, you know, whatever it is, definitely different. Uh, and is actually, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that, you know, it's an university like Gauteng uh, and others are looking at that and saying, you know, what, what is that we need to change to, uh, to be ready for this new group coming along. So that's very good. One of the things in, in this new uh, cohort of students, let's say, and we mentioned about Idea Academy, so that's one of the pillars of what we're trying to, uh, to educate students to, is, is entrepreneurship, is the creative side of it. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it become, but you mentioned about you know, robots replacing humans in the more factory jobs as, you know, as, as the more uh, obvious place for the robots to start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So, uh, how 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 is that a entrepreneurial ecosystem changing at university as, as an opportunity for the students? I think Curtin always thought of itself as being an entrepreneurial university, and and continues to think about itself that way. And well, it's great to be part of an, a university that's not afraid to challenge the status quo and tries to push boundaries as they go about. Entrepreneurial spirit and the ability to nurture entrepreneurial skills in students, in humans, is critical. And, and I fundamentally believe that entrepreneurship will change lives and will change will, will change the world to be a better place. And, and 
but we don't often teach people that. And for some, it's a bit more innate, and some, like me, fumble their way through, make mistakes, and learn the process. But there are a few fundamental building blocks in entrepreneurship education that I feel like every student needs to have. It doesn't matter if they end up being a doctor or a, or a researcher and will not leave their clinics or their labs or their surgeries. The approach, the entrepreneurial approach will still help them do what they're doing better. There are certain design thinking um, elements that, that are part of the fundamental building blocks of entrepreneurial education that are critical to help us think differently. Mm. It's like when we created the curriculums in schools and in universities where we structured education to be a certain way, there was a reason why there was this structure created because we wanted people to fall in line and follow a process. If there was a factory and if there was a process that, that had to be followed, people needed to know that they fit into a certain mold. Mm. What we're now trying to do is you actually shouldn't have to fit into a mold and you need to be able to think outside of those molds. So we're almost unraveling what we've done in education over the past 70, 80 years and trying to help people just be creative and allow themselves to be creative. So that's so good to hear. So it feels like the students in the future won't feel like me doing university and, and, and being, uh, you know, being, being the crazy person that don't want a, a job and is going to open this company. What's we'll the this how crazy this person is that don't, don't want a job. So now, yeah, reality come back, we're gonna. Yeah. We've, got, we've got a new uh, Bachelors of Innovation that we're gonna launch in 2024. Um, and the way the, the, the full bachelor, full bachelor of innovation. innovation. Yeah, and oh, the way wow. it's structured is you, you, you have your fixed core subjects that you do over your three or four years, but then the rest of it you pick from different faculties. You pick different skills and different expertise um, as you go along, but all of it wound into the spirit of entrepreneurship, the spirit of innovation. How do you keep challenging the status quo? How do you keep thinking differently with a view that you will create social impact, you will create good. And that's, I mean, it, so it's, it is bound into social entrepreneurship, um, but it's, it, it, it's, it's got an interesting Bachelor of Innovation title. So good. So uh, look, there is one thing in, in, in our ecosystem here in Perth, in Western Australia, which is, uh, yes, the pie is small. So we do need to grow that pie. And one of the, one of the things we talk about around is how can we attract more people to our innovation ecosystem here? Uh, it could be companies that are based overseas and come to be based here. It could be talent and you know, uh, top students from you know other institutions that want to venture and want to you know see this place as, as a possibility. So, what do you think? How would be your pitch to attract people to this place? 300 days of sunshine. Um, that's, 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 I think, the WA tourism pitch. That's the first one. Yeah, um, yeah, that's important. <laughs> the, the, the lifestyle is great. But I think the, the opportunity, in my mind, is even greater. And in the past, historically, Australia's always looked west, and it's looked to Europe and to America as um, being the opportunity. But the opportunity quite clearly lies north. With 60% of the globe's population sitting within two hours of Perth's GMT plus eight time zone, it just makes a perfect opportunity for us to, um, to be looking at our neighbors in the, in the north 
around the Indian Ocean and say, here's the opportunity. By 2030, and this is just from an education snapshot alone, by 2030, 80% of um, the students or learners going to higher education are going to be from non-OECD countries, primarily from Asia and Africa. And currently, 80% of the top 1,000 universities are located within the OECD countries, not in Asia or Africa. And so there's going to be a significant change and movement. And that might not be physical movement. It's where you learn doesn't really matter as long as you get the content, right? And so there's going to be a significant movement of people around the globe. And that's the opportunity that lies with it, with birth. We sit on the Indian Ocean Rim. There's 57 countries on the Indian Ocean Rim. All of these countries just starting to bloom. They're just, the economies are starting to develop. This is where the opportunity lies. And, and so if we can position ourselves as being this perfectly geolocated, we've got, we've got huge advantages from a space perspective. Um, we've, we've, our geolocation uh, is, is brilliant. It helps us with that. Um, our location close to Asia and this thriving population makes a difference. Um, we're across from Africa, um, which is a significantly huge growing economy and potential. That, that gives us an opportunity. So all of these, I think, are it's really begging for us to to take the initiative to say, hey, birth is in it and we're, we're going to really create change. And if you want to be part of that change, come to birth. Absolutely. I love I love your pitch. So uh, I'm already bought in <laughs> so before the pitch. So I'm, I'm, I'm easy one to get along. Uh, but yes, it is one of the challenges, you know, how to uh, how to articulate that story of, uh, you know, why birth. Chandra, uh, the, the, the beauty of our show is that it's so entertaining that, uh, at least for me, <laughs> <laughs> I get so into it that we get to the close of it very quick. So it's 30 minutes and it passes. So I'll ask you like a closing question. So for mm -hmm. you in this space, you know, well, again, paraphrasing myself at the beginning, so you... Uh, a living uh, role model as a guest of innovation, diversity, and education. So, if you, if you, if your kids, I know you have young kids, but if your kids were a little bit older, they will be some, and they asking questions about, you know, Dad, what should I do? So, professionally wise. So, what would be your answer? Find your dreams. Find your own dreams. I, I I grew up in a in a middle class family in 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 India, but I still had the luxury of not being told what to do. I was lucky enough. I was reasonably okay academically, and I managed to to get into an engineering program and so on and so forth. But at one point, I wanted to study literature, and if I'd done that, I would have been supported to do that. And I think I might still have ended up here. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I feel like if, if you give them, give, if you scaffold them with all, everything that they need to succeed in life, I feel like the, the kids would just find their way. And, and particularly, like I spoke earlier about this, this new generation, this new breed of human beings that we've created, um, they, they, they're going to they're gonna change the world. And in my mind, change the world to be a better place. So I just want them to be part of that and, and take that journey one step at a time and figure it out, make their own mistakes, 
I'm, I'm there with them if they need to. If they need a shoulder to cry on um, or, 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 or a helping hand if they need it. But otherwise, go forth. The world is theirs. I love that. So, uh, everyone, this is Chandra, our guest of today. So I have been very uh, fortunate, you know, I am very grateful for the guests that I have in the show. So I was teasing Chandra a little bit earlier about the collaboration in, in the ecosystem, but there is no doubt whatsoever of what's going on in Perth. So we, you know, we have uh, at least two major initiatives with Mesh Points and now with the WA team participating in the MIT RIP program, which is a collaboration in the core. So I do think the transformation is coming to WA, coming to Perth. So we've been part of it. So, and today was uh, fantastic to have Chandra with us. I hope you enjoy it and I'm sure we'll do. Uh, Chandra, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. No, it's, it's been great to be part of the show and it's always fun. I love, enjoy, I really enjoy conversations with Wilson and this has been no different. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank Very you. Very good. So for you, listen to us. So until the next episode of Changing the Game, thanks for listening.